Welcome back to Full Circle Reviews. We got Kristen here. We got Justin. Hi. We have Luke. That's me. And uh, today's episode, we'll be reviewing a 2015 mockumentary called Savage Land. Mm-hmm. This was uh, Luke's pick. It so was. I think before we go into anything, Luke, tell us why the pick. Well, um, this movie, this mockumentary really stood out to me. How I originally heard about it was I went to sleep one night um, watching Blair Witch Project. Totally not creepy at all. Right? Yeah. I don't know what got into me that I night. I think I sleep like an angel too. But, uh, and God bless YouTube autoplay because I woke up at around, you know, three, the, you know, creepiest time to wake up to a certain part of this movie of Savage Land that immediately just kind of like roused me awake. And so it stuck with me. I watched it again. I watched it again the following morning. And I think we'll get into some of the reasons why, but it just really stuck with me that I had never heard of it. And that nobody I've ever met has ever heard of it either. Excellent. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it when it was brought up that this was something we were going to watch. Um, I it, honestly didn't think it was something you would watch. Yeah, same here. Uh, I was iffy going into it, but I, you know, I'm I'm trying to be more open minded for these thriller horror movies. And so. you have been. Well, we'll push some more on you. Uh, great. Um, so this is a horror found footage type uh, mockumentary. So obviously a fake documentary. But one thing that came to mind when I was watching it was how realistic it seemed. Absolutely. It was very well done for a found, I'm not a huge found footage fan. I know mm. this is Luke's wheelhouse, mm-hmm. it is. Um, but it was interesting how it was put together. So uh, Justin, initial thoughts. I love to say that I really liked it. Like I always say from, well, most of the time, cause I'm not Luke. But um, Ouch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um I actually went into this movie with very little expectation because the trailer was it was like a hype reel. I felt like like it was trying to tell me why to watch this movie. So I feel like if something worked that hard, tell me why to watch it. I was going to be let down, but I wasn't. Couldn't the argument be made that any trailer is like that? Not really, because like some trailers hide a lot of what's going to happen. They show you like a thrilling moment or they really try and get you to feel something. It's not a hype reel of like, this is why you need to watch the movie. They'll give you like tidbits, okay. right? Like a comedy will give you like a couple of scenes to laugh at. A horror movie will give you like a jump scare and like a creepy scene. Okay. Right. Makes sense. Something like that. Maybe I'm off base. No, now that you say it, I, I could agree. Okay. Yeah. Um, Cause I find that the best trailers, you, you don't even see those scenes in the movie. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, because it, oftentimes it totally makes sense. like the night house, <laughs> you didn't even see some of the good scenes that were in the trailer. They weren't even in the movie, which would kind of sucked. But anyways, way off topic. So um, I liked the mockumentary aspect. It felt very, very realistic. I think if somebody were to just stumble across this movie like you did, they would have no idea that this really didn't happen. Right. Except for the sheriff. But we'll get to him. Okay. He seemed a little sketchy. I'm interested. Um, I like the faith aspect of the movie, the mm-hmm. horror aspect of the movie, the immigration aspect. Um, just all around. Thought it was great. Right on. Excellent. I liked it too. Um, I normally don't look forward to any sort of scary movie that seems to be ghosts or demons, you know, from a trailer. So I didn't even watch the trailer. I walked into this completely blind, having no idea what I was walking into, other than the fact that Luke saw it and picked it. And Justin had seen the trailer and said, yeah, okay, let's give it a shot. Yeah. So I went in blind. 
I enjoyed it. Um, and I think, I think we'll get into a little bit more what we, what we liked about it as we progress, but, um, the setting. So this is, as we said, it's a mockumentary. It's about an illegal immigrant named Francisco Salazar, who is a lone survivor of a mass murder of over 57 individuals in a small border town. That's only about two square miles in size. Mm-hmm. And um, he captured the events on his camera. Salazar was charged and convicted of actually over two dozen uh, first degree murders. He went through the appeals process, which was denied and was executed Shock. by lethal yeah. injection. So yeah, within like two weeks. Oh, it was an insane time frame. Yeah. Uh, the lethal injection was in two years, but his the process was very quickly. Yeah. Got it. Very quick. Um, he was actually, when he was captured, covered in over 15 different people's bloods. And one thing that was interesting is that the majority of the bodies were partial bodies. Right. Right. They either were no bodies found or it was remnants. Right. Of. And I think the coroner referenced that saying, how, you know, how do you run DNA tests on a town full of body parts? Correct. I think they said they could only recreate like seven full bodies. Yeah. That was it. Something along those lines. And for something to be so grotesque, I was actually pleased that it wasn't all that visual. It was tasteful. The way that, it was, wasn't always in your face. Yeah. It was not in your face, right. which was, uh, I appreciated myself. Which, which really goes into like how professional it was. Like I, I find the term for this kind of movie, but I find the term mockumentary, you know, not quite valid. I, I would say this is more of just like a fictitious documentary. Yeah. That's just how, that's just a feeling I have. It's really not a farce or anything. Right. It's, it's very, it was very tastefully done. It was very accurately done. And if I didn't know any better and had no access to the internet, I would have believed this actually happened based on what I watched. Yeah, absolutely. So it was done that well. The acting was incredible as far as the interviews and the, you know, even down to the psychotherapist and everybody who was performing the interviews and then being interviewed on the side, you would feel like this was actually a crime documentary. And everybody looked the part too. They did. And they said the part, it was like, you know, like most documentaries, they build a narrative Mm -hmm. and this one built the narrative of the disdain for illegal immigrants within the community. Yeah. That was thick. Salazar being an illegal immigrant, even though later they say that, you know, all these people are against it. And then, Individual people are like, well, yeah, he helped this person with this and this person with this. Mm. He did the painting. He yeah. was a handyman. He worked on this person's farm. He helped at the church all the time. It yeah. was. Oh, there's a very clear agenda being pushed by oh, the sheriff definitely. and the police department on this. Of it's you know the fear of the other mm-hmm. theme is running rampant in this yes. mockumentary, and the whole thing is. Oh, he's a loner. He's a problem. He's this. He's that. But nobody that knew him felt that way. Right. So and all was, of his, um, all of the things that he was passionate about were really used against him. Like, yeah. He, and he photography. Was photography and the sheriff totally like used that against him saying there were all these pictures of little girls and. And, and they're perverted. He yeah. Said. It was just, he was, he was going to lose that trial no matter what. Correct. Yeah. He was screwed. Correct. So I want to talk about the setting a little bit. So sure. this takes place in Sangre de Cristo. Well done. Sangre de Cristo. No. I just call it Savage Land. Well, SDC. Some of them called it SDC. So yeah. if that makes it easier. Okay. Yeah. And SDC. so it is actually a real town, but where it's located is not where the movie setting was. Hmm. Okay. So the movie setting is the Sangre de Cristo, which is on the Arizona and Mexico border. However, the actual Sangre de Cristo is at the south end of the Rocky Mountains, and it is right at the 
uh, New Mexico and Colorado border. Interesting. Why do you think that is? Well, so here's a little bit of information Please. on on the actual city. So Sangre de Cristo is actually um, stands for the blood of Christ. No. <laughs> and the reason it's because that's Sangre is blood. Okay. Right? Blood of Christ. The reason this town was named that is supposedly Native Americans murdered a priest at his mission at the foot of the Rocky Mountains. And he was said to have said Sangre de Cristo at his death. Wow. And so that's the name of the town, which is interesting because they took a real town in a different location, which still had an, an essence of fear of the other. Yeah. Yeah. And just moved it and modernized it. That is interesting, actually. That's really Well, and I think it's fitting because... The movie does, there is a very heavy faith aspect in the movie. Yeah. There absolutely I think for is. some people. No, it, uh, it's mentioned a lot, even families of the victims. A lot of them reference how, you know, the, their faith. A lot of them just talked about their faith. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, even the writer, he didn't really talk about the faith much, but he did say that South Arizona is the vanishing capital of the country. That yeah. people just disappear all the time. Yeah, yeah, he said that with the border a lot. And so you would initially think cartel, but he he didn't explicitly come out and say that. I, I want to say it was said, but not in, it wasn't like heavily implied. Yeah. It was just like said in passing. Correct. Correct. So, um, Luke, I got to ask you, though, sure. what is it about found footage movies that kind of that gets you going? Because I know this is something you really like and. You know, for found footage, this was incredibly well done. I think for me, I liked this one because it wasn't a person holding a camera that was mm. bouncing around videographing what's happening. But see, I don't know if I'd call this a found footage movie. Ish. Ish. It's it's very it falls under There's the category parts of it. But for the most part, it is the mockumentary that you mentioned. It's mostly found footage via photograph. Because not yeah, via. via photograph. I would one hundred percent agree but with that. Because found footage mostly is like you feel like it's being recorded by one of us. Right. But I mean, still, if we're speaking literally, it's footage that was found. That was found. So to answer your question, um, when I was 15, 14 or 15 and Blair Witch Project came out and I saw in the theaters, um, an usher had stood up before the movie and before the lights went down and said, could all of you silence your pagers? Um, because pagers were a thing a at this thing. point. Um, um, because this is a, this is the true story of how three three students lost their lives. And that stuck with me. For days like this at this point, I still didn't know it was a movie because of the advertising campaign. I mean, they made those actors and the actress sign like a waiver saying they wouldn't show their faces for a certain amount of time after the movie premiered. Had been filmed. Yeah. So that being arguably one of the first found. Well, Cannibal Holocaust is the very first found footage. But Blair Witch Project stuck with me for weeks, if not months afterwards. And I found myself not being able to stop thinking about it. So something about the birth of a genre right there and something about my teenage self, not knowing that this wasn't true. And then finding out later on in life that it, that it wasn't true. I was like, clap. I was like, you know, applauding saying, well done. Interesting. So okay. that in that situation right there is the reason why, I don't know. It's stuck with me so much over the years. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot more sense. Cause I, you know, we all have our, you know, different strokes for different folks, right? We all have our preferences and whatnot. I just didn't really know what, what it was. And granted, I am still able to recognize when there is a terrible found footage movie. <laughs> I, I have seen several of them. Such as? 
anything on YouTube that says found footage. <laughs> um, but there have been several that stuck out. Final Prayer is one. Blair Witch Project. This one, Cloverfield. There's a, there's several that I really dig. End of Watch. End of Watch. I'm sure I that's seen coming. It yet. Yeah. But yeah. And then of You'll course, Wreck, which is like one of the best uh, international found footage movies. So, anyways. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you for letting us in on that one. You're, you're welcome. So, going back a minute, we're talking about the theme of the fear of the foreigner, right? Mm-hmm. And there is so much sustain towards not just Francisco Salazar, but comments throughout about Latinos and immigrants and illegal immigrants and how, you know, they're not worthwhile and how they glorify death and yeah. they're a subpar population. Um, there was also a comment that they said there's a whole lot more Salazars out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that was the sheriff. Yeah. That. There was quite an agenda being pushed on. It this. did seem like it. And I think one of the things that stood out to me the most in this was that his credibility was complete shit. Yes, it was. I mean, Salazar or the sheriff? the sheriff? The sheriff. Oh, without a doubt. From the get go. And one of the first things he said that really chapped my head <laughs> is when he said that if a serial killer checklist existed, he would check every box. That was, yeah, and I then lost he went, it. Yeah. And then he went through and said serial killers are drifters and they're low class and they're angry and they're abandoned by their fathers. Well, Francisco wasn't a loner. He right. wasn't really a drifter. He was a handyman, like within the town. He seemed like a totally genuinely nice guy. He Take had relationships back. with the different people, including the Putnams mm-hmm. and their family. The family that came to the town to be to correct, right? Build up the church. I wouldn't say he was angry at all. No, no and he's a damn idiot. There is an actual checklist and for serial killers. What I have written down. <laughs> Jesus. So I have a, I have a little bit of a history with, with criminology and that I was initially studying to be a criminal justice major in college before I switched majors and gears. But, you know, general checklist things, it's usually a white male mm-hmm. as yeah. a serial killer, which he obviously is not. Right. Um, they're sociopaths, which he was not. No. They usually have a dissociative disorder or they're antisocial. Was Again, not. was not. No. Falsely charming. Nope. There was nothing pretentious or put on about him. No, not at all. It was almost charming how simple he was. Yeah, true. He seems simple and humble. Um, they usually are psychopaths. They don't usually surf, suffer from psychosis or, or mental disorders. No, it's usually the sociopath side that kind of drives them. Um often are egocentric and narcissistic negative and negative and then lack of empathy, which throughout the course of the movie, we see that isn't the case. And through the entire movie, through the entire run through, because basically they run through his camera footage from photograph one through 36. Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong. Luke. No, that is correct. 36. Okay. To depict what happened that evening. Yeah. Yeah. And with different people who could chime in on what was actually happening yeah. at Correct. that time. And then along that same path that we're going down his photographs, they have interviews and they have the psychotherapist is interviewing him. And all of this is kind of trying to piece together. I think he's incredibly empathetic. Yeah. Salazar. I would agree. I would totally agree. So right there, I mean, because I had this kind of in the back of my head anyway, from criminal justice and criminology, I'm thinking, 
No, that's not true. Some of his reactions to when he was talking about a couple of the victims that he had actual personal contact with. I mean, he seemed genuinely haunted by what he had witnessed with them as climaxing with, of course, photo 34 through 36. Uh, Absolutely. Which we will get to. Yes, we will. Um, So Justin made a point earlier about saying how it does have a religious undertone. Yeah, definitely. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Well, I mean, it, for me, it started when they showed his sister. True. Because his sister was just like in Mexico still. It seemed like she was in kind of like a hovel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And she was gripping the chair like for life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? With her right with her right hand and her left hand, she was just playing with the cross. That was on like a charm type bracelet. And I was like, okay, here we go. There's going to be a faith aspect to it. And then um, they're talking to Francisco and then the I forget if it was the sheriff or the autopsy guy said that Francisco had the same bite marks as the victims. And this is before we see like any of his photos. This is before we see anything. And so for me, what that told me immediately is that there is a possession aspect to the movie. Hmm. Very good. Excellent. That was going to be my next point was to try and lead you down that road. But I'm going to jump in there really fast. One thing that I really liked about this is it wasn't just a horror movie. It wasn't just something to scare you. It wasn't just, you know, um, shock factor. There was socioeconomic situations and factors. There was the horror aspect. There was the demonic type <sighs> Zombie-ish. Very yeah. open. open Zombie-ish. For, I still think it's open for debate what they right. actually were. But there, but. But there seems well, to be... Well, we will debate. Yeah. Correct. There seems to be several different plots and themes and everything kind of interweaves and ties together really well, unlike Nighthouse. Yeah. We weren't fans of Nighthouse. <laughs> Fuck that movie. Where nothing came together. Mm-hmm. So... So it's amazing a little... I don't even uh, think the husband and wife came together. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's funny that a uh, multi-million dollar movie like Nighthouse can be so disjointed, but yet a little known YouTube flick that had no theatrical release can actually pull together so well. So I had picked up on a couple of religious undertones, uh, such as saving grace, mm-hmm. both literally and figuratively. Yes. In this. And. You know, I'd like to kind of open up the discussion about the demon versus the zombie. Sure. I will play the attorney for the zombie side. Excellent. You fucking better. (laughs) And and Justin, you will you will represent the demons. I will. Excellent. Okay. Who would like to start? Justin. No, ladies first. Okay. That's me. Um So I'm sorry, I'm sitting here dumbfounded. (laughs) As far as, um, okay, here's a couple of arguments for the zombie side. Okay. It's never really been proven that demons would have like a physical form. And it seemed like everything, every entity in the photos had a physical form. And while it was somewhat blurry at times and somewhat very, very out of focus, they still had a human like body. I would agree. Okay, and I know you're going to fight me on this part because we talked about this already, but the bites transferring, um, the reanimating of the dead is obviously a zombie trait. And I'm just going to throw this out there to any other Resident Evil fans, but the narrator of uh, Carlos Oliveras is a main character for Resident Evil 3. And uh, just want to throw that out there 
Any of you RE nuts? Fun no. fact. Yeah. So um, the guy that's walking, shut up. This, the guy that's walking along narrating and and kind of walking us along the whole story is actually a Resident Evil 3 character, a mercenary that ends up saving Jill Valentine from the tyrant or from the nemesis. I apologize. Really? Yeah. He comes to her aid several times. Number three. He's a playable character for a good, you know, a good chunk of the story. Who played him in the movie? Uh, it was, uh, Odin fair or something like it was some guy you would know, you would recognize. I don't, I can't pronounce his name, but he was okay. in the mummy. Um, he's been in a lot of, he was also, he was the dude from Deuce Bigelow, the, um, the, the gigolo, the actual gigolo. The pimp. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not the pimp, not, not the, not the oh, pimp. Oh, I know who you're talking about. The guy yeah, who's the, dude, the actual gigolo. Yeah, that was him. It's like Oded something. That was number three. He worked for, uh. Umbrella, right? right? Originally, oh yeah. boy, yeah. Okay, okay. all right. So, those are my zombie. I everything about this scream zombie to me. Scream zombie outbreak. Okay, go right ahead. So, for me, I can see why you come to that conclusion. Okay, um, totally is logical. I think I would use some of the same points. So, for me, anytime I see a bite and somebody being bit and something happening later it's not necessarily always zombie for me it's it's like the mark you know some people say the mark of the beast you know and uh especially in theology they talk about the mark of the beast a a lot and people think it's going to be you know like some kind of chip or it's going to you know everybody always speculates what the mark of the beast is going to be And it's weird, but in a lot of movies, especially a lot of found footage, like the paranormal activities and everything, these women, they would be bit and these people would be bit and then they would go catatonic. Yeah. And then they would either become possessed or they would die and then come back like with that form within them. Sure. So I'm not saying these are like demons from the under from the underworld or from hell or wherever hell comes from in demon form. I'm saying, I think these people have all been killed off and then demons have taken okay. their bodies or what's left of them. So zombies, I guess could, could kind of be there. Um, but there's a huge faith aspect. So I think that's where the faith aspect, you know, it was throughout all, all the photos, the time you see the heaviest concentration of them is at the church. True. So I think, that's Other than the first photo where we are introduced to them in the in the huge field. And another point I want to bring up is the photos themselves. So the zombie slash possessed people, demon, creature, whatever we're going to call them by the end of this, um, kind of weren't photographable. But the people that were dying were not in every case there were several where the people themselves were just in the foreground and a bit and just a bit clearer mm-hmm. but the a point i wanted to make real quick is that in every single photo we saw it seemed like whatever they are were shambling like slowly yes and bloody and everything so that is Murderous. synonymous with zombies they were just slow moving whether they were overpowering somebody or just walking along the streets, it's clumsy and powerful. So a sloth is very slow. Sure. Does that make it a zombie? Okay. What's your, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. So my grandmother's very slow yeah. too, but that yeah. doesn't make her. She a was kind of like a zombie though. Oh she was walking through life with some other kind of lenses on. Okay. 
Um, I got like a. What is that supposed to mean? I don't know. Okay. I got like a. At least he admitted it. Animalistic vibe. Okay. From them. Sure. Right. Which I guess could also be synonymous with zombies or a demon or someone who's been possessed. Like an out for blood vibe. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't want to say ritualistic. That's why I say animalistic, like animalistic vendetta almost like I am here to maim not just kill but like maim you know there's body parts and blood he said for 20 blocks yeah um let's see here let's talk about that first the first photo right is when they're coming down the hill yeah I don't know if you picked up on it but it says they're always moving north no I did yeah okay that was towards the end there too and I was wondering from our oh so fantastic researcher if there was any significance to that, Kristen? Correct. It's uh, moving north because of the illegal immigrants are coming north over the border and moving north furthermore into the country. Yeah, not and it's the fear of the other and the fear that they're going to continue to spread. And the the feeling I got when he said they're they're moving north and the dramatic pause after that was kind of like you know we're north. They okay. were, they're at the border at a border town and they're moving north and let's face it we are north. If they had said they're moving south. Big deal. So these are Mexican zombies. Yes, I think that was implied. Okay. Not that that matters. Okay. And you just said they're zombies. I'm asking. Oh, okay. I was asking for clarification. Okay. And let's see. There's people running and hunting each other, which is what Salazar said right around 8 p.m. And then they got to the water tower. And then the eight people chose to jump. Why, right. do, you, why do you think they chose to I jump? I love that part. I love that part so much because a it's it is basically the summation of this is not one person. This is not Salazar. This is the definition of this is not Salazar. That this is something. Even if the photos weren't evidence, which they event eventually weren't, but even if the photos weren't in the movie, still that line right there would have caused pause for people if they had no photos to go off of and just Salazar's word. His story would make more sense seeing as how there's no evidence that he was at that tower. And Correct. And that's what I was going to say is there was no evidence right. whatsoever in any of his photographs or in his testimony or in his interview with the psychotherapist that he was ever at the tower. Correct. So the, they have that. They have the fact that they inter- interviewed the families about that was one of the, the religious times there. And the, when they were talking about the families had such a strong religious background. And of course, they committed suicide. Huh. And I want to say the guy who wrote the um, fictitious books that had believable enough covers had said, you know, Lawrence Ross. Yes. Okay. He said that just doesn't happen. I don't care how horrible a person is. You do not jump off a water tower and kill yourself instead of fighting off one person from a fire escape or 20 or 20. Sure. Well, that's that's a point I want to make, too, is supposedly Salazar was was this terrifying person who spread through a two square mile town, killing 57 people in one night, not just killing them, but dismembering them. Yeah. I mean, supposedly this is the case with his camera. Yeah. So even if he was at the water tower, the argument would be what caused these people to climb up they the water safe. tower to kill, to, to jump off from a man with a camera. Yeah. No, it's just, it's everything about that screams, you know, this was overlooked by the police. And I think that the water tower is significant along with the Putnam's as well. Sorry, I just totally jumped into your guys' no, argument. Please. Go ahead, please. 
Um, because something had to be terrifying enough to question their faith. This is a Correct. religious town, religious folk. And, Most small towns are. And the Putnams, the father murdered his family and then committed suicide. Mm, compared himself to with Abraham. A, with a machete. Yeah. Mind you. And this dismembered is, his family as well, allegedly. This is not clean. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's one family. The Water Tower folks were another. In one night, all of these people all of a sudden are against their own faith and, and committing cardinal sins. Yeah. No, there's yeah, something had to be, whether it is zombies, or right? Hell on earth or demons, or I'm going to throw this out there. Demonic zombies, yeah. right? There's or, no, I mean, I don't know that we have to argue that it's one or the other. It could be a combination of both. Correct. Could be. Um, but something caused these people to be so terrified that they, would rather die. They lost yeah. the something caused them to be so terrified. They'd rather die than try to escape. Then they that or, shook or face their, it. That yeah. shook their faith to the core to where they didn't no longer believed. And they right. would rather face in their in their eyes, they would rather face hell. Eternal than damnation. They, than what right. they were looking at See, in my opinion, I think they were looking straight at hell. I think they already felt like they were there. It's very possible. It's very possible. Right. So how long was Salazar in custody before they put him to death? I think you said two years. It was two years. Two yeah. years, right? And so you said a bite could also be synonymous with a zombie, right? But two years later? It's true, but it also goes into the, I think we talked about the um, the fact that you have to die to be reanimated. And that's what I was going to ask is because when you talk about his first friend, Danny, right? The first Yeah. Murder. Danny Mon- Montez, I think. Montez, yeah. correct. Yeah. 17 year old. So he shows up at Salazar's house. He's been bitten. He's bleeding out. He's in bad shape. He dies Mm -hmm. in Salazar's house and then rises. Yeah. Immediately. Immediately. Immediately rises. And Salazar said, I was looking at him. It's his face. It's his body. He came at me, but it wasn't him. Exactly. Right. That was instantaneous. Yeah. Right. We're talking about one night where he was attacked, one night where he died and, and came back. Salazar from his interviews, obviously had bite marks. They even said he had bite marks that matched the victims that they could identify bite marks in. And they and after the interview, in he went bit. catatonic and never spoke again. Yeah, he had to be force fed. Correct. He he, but was still in some way, shape, or form alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and then they kill him with lethal injection, and then he rises. So two years from the bite to the death and rise, do we know how I, I didn't catch it? Luke, do you know how long it was from the time he was buried to the time he rose? They don't say. I don't think they say, but it, it kind of implies that it it's was a government bad. process. So I'm assuming it's probably at least a week till they get him in the ground. Probably. I mean, I'm assuming there's no it was reason fast for an autopsy because we heard the radio broadcast about how people were so outraged that he was buried in yeah. Arizona still. So I'm assuming it would be within the same month at least. I would think so. But that's I mean. The timeline is confusing to me from Salazar, whether you want to look at it as resurrection Mm -hmm. versus zombie demon, because I almost I almost would argue that you have two themes going on side by side with religion and saving grace and resurrection for the survivor. Right. Mm -hmm. Salazar versus the demon zombie monster things. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like I don't, I don't know a lot about this genre kids. So I chime in. You're doing quite well. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, but with zombie movies, 
I think it's more common that they will rise with missing body parts. True. Do they in demon stuff after they're bitten? Do they still function as accurately with missing member? Well, in my experience, if we're speaking in the universe of cinema, um, I don't think I've seen a demon movie where they're capable of doing that, of like facing dismemberment and rising with, you know, horrible limbs missing, things like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. You're, you're giving me kind of a look that you do. I think Justin's thinking. I'm pondering. Yeah. Thought, well, I can think of the TV show Evil, if you've ever seen Evil. Negative. It's good. Okay. You, you'd probably like it. Um, but they take, like, demons in possession to a very uh, comical, but I don't want to say realistic, but common. So a very comical and common feel. Okay. Well, towards, there's arguments to both sides. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the sum. Do zombies typically have super strength? They have, they can, they can. I mean, it's, it's different for every possible medium you can imagine. Correct. I mean, you could look at 28 days later or you could look at uh, George Romero Two completely different. Okay. Perhaps at least. So I think we're going to compromise and go with demon possessed zombies. Sure. I can live with that. I can live with that. Zombie I mean, demons. in the end, it's not Zemans. really. Zemans. Copyright that. Zemans. Um, in the end, like we said, it doesn't really matter. And it's it, never actually answered. It never is. It's a force and it needs to be recognized. Well, the only reason I keep pushing it that way is because of the religious aspect. Not and just the name that. of the town, you know, the people, the Putnams and how the one person he called, not the cops, not 911, was another pastor. You know what I mean? And starts talking about how he's going to sacrifice his family and yeah. do these things. So at that part, I started there thinking like, OK, he had just gotten super religious and said he was trying to build his congregation like. Was he the prophet of the wrong God? You know what I mean? So I started thinking, okay, maybe Satanism. And that's why they were coming for directly him. And that's why he was asking, where is grace? Where is grace? Where Mm -hmm. is grace? It was almost like they congregated at his place for a reason. You know what I mean? But maybe geographically, that's just the way it happened. Don't know. It's possible in a small town that the church would be the center. The center of the town. I would think so. I've seen many movies where the church is just overrun with people thinking it's their last resort. So I do have a question to tie up this, the loose ends here. Sure. So if we were to argue that it's more demon versus more zombie, right? If we're going on that discussion path, just devil's advocate here. Or is there anything more than just the bite that would be demon in their behavior? Because if you look at the last three photographs of these beings attacking and trying to consume this little girl, Grace, horrifying, Mm -hmm. by the way. Um, Would that be more characteristic? Again, I'm asking because I don't know. That'd be more characteristic of a zombie or a demon flick. Well, I, for some reason, I got the feeling like she was supposed to be the sacrifice, like of the movie. That's what I got. Like Mm. from when the husband was screaming out for her, like his family was already gone. He was screaming out for her and then started calling himself Abraham. And, you know, I'm going to sacrifice and these different things. That's what, that's how I felt, but that's just my perception. In closing, all I'll say about the, the zombie versus versus demon is that to me, it seemed like if it were demons, their whole agenda would be to grow, to infect as many as possible to increase their numbers. But throughout the movie, 
you you have to admit that it seemed like this was more of an attack to consume. Yeah. So and that is zombie related. Yeah, I, I think we're I think we're safe with like a, a demonic or a religious type zombie, right? Sure. Combining the two. I can live with that. But I but I'd have to leave. Because now we're giving them brains to think. Correct. So they're more humanistic than just zombies, but I think it's more zombie than demon. Because if we go there, we could just say they were feeding themselves to take on the town eight miles away. That That's was actual going a little time. deeper than I think we should. Exactly. So I, I think we should just, they're just building her, their strength. We built, we set our cases and now Kristen gave us her verdict. You be the judge. So I, that's, I, I did. She just, she just did. Just I, I totally did here. Choose um, again. <laughs> choose again. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, I think that there is a, a level, like I said before, it's, it's two parallels, right? It's religion, faith, and otherworldly. It could be demonic or zombie, right? But one of the quotes that they do say is that it was something primal and horrible that swept through the town. Mm -hmm. And if that's the description, I just can't, I can't understand how they were able to push the, the agenda of Salazar with a camera being primal. Exactly. Because here's the reality. He had an opportunity with, uh, I can't remember his name, the fellow that was the only white gentleman that. Oh, um, oh God. Yeah. Templeton. Ron Templeton. Yes, Ron Templeton. He could have taken his gun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He could have taken his gun in his truck. He could have taken Danny's, the knife from when he stabbed Danny 27 times mm-hmm. after he well, rose. cut him into pieces too with the lawn the shear, the garden shears, he said, and a pickaxe. Right. He, but he was running around with a camera. Yeah. He was so trying to get to Grace. it's not like he was going, he was trying to save Grace. Yeah. And that was when they, when they looked at the map of how he went through the town. I mean, he first went to the market for the phone. Correct. And to quote Carlos Oliveras, he was shit out of luck. Um, and then he went to the church, found that one, the one survivor with the, one of the most badass pictures. And of the, the doors uh, were ripped off, of but the they lot. said he had keys. Yeah. And, and that was one of those moments where, yeah, this couldn't be him. And then from there, he went to the preschool. Yeah. I mean, it's an obvious who, I don't think this movie's a whodunit. I think anybody who watches it could almost immediately tell that this guy did not, did not do, do this. It, yeah. right. And anybody pushing the agenda that he did is either corrupt, ignorant, or some combination of the two. Pushing their own agenda. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So some, when, some type of politician. I want to go back to the sheriff really quick here. Sure. So one of the other mm-hmm. things that he had said was that the pictures of Grace were perverted and they were suggestive and they were a problem. And then his next are arguing that those are real and that, the, that they're that summation, but yeah. they're not. No, they're, they're about as tame as it gets. Correct. But then he argues that every other photo that's on that film roll was fake. It was a sick prank. Done How by do sick you people. argue that? Yeah. It's it was just, it's kind of like it's cherry picking. Definitely yes. at its finest. Yeah. He, cherry picking what evidence you want to use. And if it supports him, definitely admissible goes against, he won't even take a comment or take a question about it. Well, I don't even know how this guy got away with it. It's the larger town Heinzman. Yeah. Right? That was, was he was eight a miles away. Yeah. It's not very far. Well, if you want to talk more about the, you know, fear of the foreigner agenda, the only person who was buried and had a funeral whose body was never found was the white guy Templeton. That's there true. No yeah, it was funerals. a gross casket for just his belongings. Yeah, there Empty were grave. there were no. no other funerals. There were no other 
um, obituaries printed. Just his. Yep. Just his. Yep. Doesn't. Get I mean, if that's not a, a superiority. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Right? Um. So I do have another point, and I'm going to put Luke on blast here. Yay. Yes, please. So I like these points. The photographer that was being interviewed, right? He said he, you know, had shot film in Vietnam. He had been through war situations. Right. He says that the camera lens uh, protects the photographer almost like a shield from what's actually being depicted and what's being captured. Do you think that's why you like found footage? It very well might be. Um, Because it's almost like a safety lens into something that's happening. You know, I've never thought of it like that, but it kind of clicks. It very well might be. Like something that gives you the rush, but you still know you're safe. I can't argue that that kind of makes sense. I mean, I don't want to say it's my primary no, reason but I for just it, was wondering. it is it now that I hear it out loud, it, it makes sense because I do like how he summed that up. It did. Right. That part has always kind of stuck with me too, is how he sums up how, you know, I have a, I have a deafening fear of heights, but you know, if I'm behind that camera lens, I could hang outside, hang out a helicopter and shoot, and shoot pictures in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I don't know. It's, it, it makes sense. I just thought that was kind of interesting. It is interesting. Um, so one of the things that I noted and we kind of touched on it before is it was a super fast timeline. In fact, very fast. He was convicted with a 30 minute deliberation. Yeah. Now, if you guys know, it really anything wasn't about a defense, though. Crime, but generally in a murder, First of all, there was no evidence that he did anything. Right. Mm-hmm. There is all circumstantial evidence. There is no hard evidence about anything. The only thing that even links him anywhere is the fact that he had his camera. He had his camera. He had blood. He had blood on him. Right. But his blood wasn't at the crime And I hate scenes. to say it, but he's brown. Okay. Everybody else That was really the worst thing that he did in that court. Right. Was they implied that, yeah. Being right. an outsider. Correct. And so... 30 minute deliberation and the juror that was interviewed with the, you know, the fake oh, the voice and incognito, yeah, which I actually thought was a nice touch to this. Right. For being um, a fake documentary. Well, he didn't want to be next. But for, I'm talking about the, the movie itself, the angle that the creators took. Uh-huh. I thought it was a nice touch as well. It was. Oh, jeez. Anyway, generally speaking, when you have a murder trial, the jurors have to go through every testimony, review every piece of evidence, review everything to come to their conclusion. And it has to be, especially for a lethal injection. Yeah. You have and to not, have everybody agreeing. Well, not only that, I, I want to say he also said he was surprised at how, that he thought he was surprised at how long it took Correct. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he mentioned something about that. He said it should have been faster. Right. So this wasn't an issue of anyone actually thinking he did it. Right. At all. So I no, thought this that, was it getting swept under the rug. Correct. Correct. And this was an, a, you know, police untrustworthiness with pushing the ethos over the pathos of there's more like him. He's a problem. Basically he's the issue. He did these horrible things. He's perverted. They tainted who he was to mm-hmm. the outlying. Oh, without a doubt public to push the agenda his yeah. way. Fear mongering at its finest. Absolutely. I think, I think it all some could be summed up with they wanted. And I think this was mentioned in the film too. They wanted the town to just move forward and that involved getting this over with and done with as soon as possible so it could be history. So Correct. no and Salazar just happened to be the the ultimate scapegoat of all ultimate scapegoats. Correct. Correct. Yeah, because he was found 12 miles away. 
when the truck driver found him. Right. So we spoke a little about Ron Templeton. Mm-hmm. Now, he's an expert shot and he had his gun, right? And right. in the pictures, you could see him. You can see in the distance these. And then a little closer. Bodies these moving toward him. Yeah. It's interesting to me that as an expert shot, he didn't shoot Salazar. Yeah, you know, that's uh, and that's something I don't know if they bring it up or not. Maybe his wife does that. He she doesn't understand how little man like Salazar and this, dude, this was a little guy. Yeah, he's well, a little guy. I think it was photo two. Templeton had his gun drawn and was shooting the opposite direction. Of exactly. Him. The he, first well, the first photo two was him with his gun, like like gesturing, get out of the way. Yeah. And then the other photo was him behind the truck. Okay, three. Yeah. So, and yeah, expert shot. And then Salazar says in his testimony, you know, he did shoot them and nothing happened. Right. But you would think that if Salazar was this ravenous murdering person, he wouldn't be telling Salazar to get out of the way. Right. Agreed. He would shoot him. Agreed. Yeah. And, and that's just amazing another reason how why badly this guy got screwed. Right. Yeah. And the whole, I mean, the, what? just for a second, can I just bring up? Please. They only mentioned the photos not being able to be admitted one time. And it was just his photos. He said uh, his lawyer, who I guess he got totally screwed on the, First on the case, lawyer draw. Right? It was third, third case. case. The third other ones case. had nothing to do with any capital crimes. Um, said that he'd be disbarred if he entered these as evidence. Do you guys have any idea why he would say that? Threats. I mean, I would think I would think, yeah, it would have to be something behind the scenes kind sheriff of sheriff to D.A. to attorney general to governor. I'm sure. OK. Yeah, or, or I along the same, don't need to cause hysteria or along the same mindset. Mm, yeah, makes sense. It just it stuck out to me as kind yeah. of an odd line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I never got the feeling that the lawyer actually tried to defend him. Yeah, he always all he managed to try for an insanity defense. And yeah, he tried real hard there. Yeah, it seemed like it. So let's talk a little bit about the interview with the psychotherapist sure. and Salazar. Okay. What was your take on that? Either one of you, feel free to jump in. Well, first off, she came off probably the most believable of anybody in this story to me. I would agree. She, the actress that played her, just absolutely fantastic job. Um, and I don't know, just something about her voice screamed therapist to me. So yeah. it just was an excellent cast. So as far as the, the interview scene being spliced into the movie at times to move forward, the narr- the narration and move forward the story. I don't think this movie could have survived without it. It was, uh, it was just expertly done. And it also showed the only time we got to see Salazar and and see him as kind of like an empathetic person, like you said earlier, was his or human or human. Yeah. Was his reactions to these times when he's telling these stories of the horrible things that happened that, that and night crying and about crying Grace. and crying. him. I mean, he lost, he that's right when he went into the catatonic state was after he told the story about Grace, sang the song he sang to her and then went into the state. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I love the interview scenes. I thought they gave a really good um, balance to everything else. And it, it was, I don't know how they would have portrayed his side of the story in a better or more creative way. I actually really liked that. I, I agree. It was well done. I agree. If, if they didn't have that, they would only have Carlos Solivares walking through town kind of like, uh, cause they had him going on the path, like going Correct. by photos and then explaining like what headspace he might've been in at that time. Yeah. And, 
you know, which was effective in itself. But it was, it was, and I'm guessing it was based off of what he said. You know what I mean? We don't get to see everything that he said with a therapist, but I like that. Almost immediately, she made it comfortable for him. Yeah. You know, she wasn't aggressive ever. She didn't lead him into any answers. You yeah. know what I she mean? She cast a doubt when she had doubt. Exactly. And she had him explain. And it really was like she wanted to know, too. Right. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like I'm here to do my job. Right. She's obviously from somewhere local, and I'm sure wanted to get to the bottom of the truth too. And I think she went about it very professionally and efficiently. And I think she has the best line in the movie to me is there's only three options. Either he's lying, Uh he's crazy crazy. or he's telling the truth. And in my professional opinion, he's he's not lying and he's not crazy. Correct. I think I love that, that line. That was my very next point. Very nice. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Um, yeah, she said that he mostly depicts a person who's shell shocked or suffering from PTSD. PTSD. Right. Like and people he, that came back from the war, she said. And the actor that played him, fucking excellent, excellent job. I mean, for having next to no lines and just sitting there with the camera on you, I mean, you win- winning. I mean, he did yeah, fantastic I believe he'd been job. through some shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the Band-Aids sold it too. Right. They did focus on that. They did. They so definitely did. I want to jump in a little bit more on those last three photos of okay. Grace. Oh, do we have to? Yes, because honestly, I was horrified by them. Um, and they're bad. I mean, they're disturbing. They are. They are. This they're is a, heartbreaking. Just as a little background, this is when I woke up. Yeah. I woke up to this part right here. I don't know how you ever went back to sleep, ever. I watched the movie again right after. I know. Yeah. It's, uh, but it was amazing. And at this time, I honestly thought it was real. So, continue. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, it, it, it Haunting. Haunting. Yeah. You know, it's the last three photos. I believe Luke, you said it was 34, 35 and 36 yep. on the yep. roll. You got it. So they go from the church the, to the preschool, right? Correct. Yeah. And at one point the preschools open at nine 30 at night and it's six kids and one teacher. And they make a, a slight comment about how they were just waiting for parents to pick them up. That never came. Yeah. Well, the murders happened. It started happening about 15 minutes before sundown. Correct. So if this is a, more of a migrant type town, then I can understand, okay, they're working in the fields, working on things till about sundown. But what preschool stays open till 930 at night? Well, I, I think you were kind of on the right, right path there. It had to do with the fact that, you know, this all happened when people were still working. And I think that that had a lot to do with it, but I agree. That was the kind timeline of a weird was thing. Strange to that me. was a weird thing to me too, that it would happen that late at night. And I want to say the, the explanation has to be because they didn't know why their parents were delayed. They had no clue what was going on Correct. in C- the world. Can't get a hold of anybody. Yeah. So well, they, they didn't just have phones can't either. just cut out. It's so a very, they, very, very small town. So I doubt they have funding for like a bus to drive the kids home or anything. Very right. true. So I, what I envision is they didn't think anything was wrong. They just thought maybe, you know, Working late. Something like that. And so they had the no bar. reason to lock the door. They had no reason to hide or they had no reason to take any precautions. So I think they were taken by surprise. Yeah, I think so too. I think I'm trying to remember Luke, help me. What was, I, I clearly know 35 and 36. 34 was grace holding onto the bars, bars. eyes closed, screaming. Okay. I like you could almost hear the scream in the picture. Oh, yeah. And like obviously terrified, but you could just barely see, f- you see figures. Like a silhouette. Yeah, in the background. So 
I have chills. Um, <laughs> outside of talking about the movie itself, what the fuck did happened in this little girl's head to be able to get this photo? I know. If we're right? so, if we're talking about filming, right? Not <laughs> about the acting, but this child is horrified. Yeah. They and are, I mean, there's actors that can't pull that well of a look off in their heyday. No. The, and this is a little girl. The two of her, the two, the two and then the middle one of the action shot with her head turned looking back. That's right. Okay. Um, but the two of her face are like, they Chilling. sold it for me. They yeah. sold it for me saying, no, I'm showing you guys this fucking movie. Yeah. Gut wrenching. Yeah. And I agree with you. And I, I think I think both Justin and I had uh, some semblance of nightmares that night after I watching did. it. Fall and in morning, it you was, know, that was fucked up. The, the the movie was not outwardly terrifying, right? Yeah. It wasn't outwardly graphic or visual visually graphic of anything. You don't actually see anything happen. You just see the photo shots, and you just know. I mean, talk about a picture's worth a thousand words. And it's really just the epitome of less is more. It really? was because it was horrifying. Yeah, it left every action. It left. Okay, there's a picture here and there's a picture here. Y- you are the judge of how okay. you know it it's not going to go well, right? Yeah. And the Grace pictures are still burned in my memory. Oh my god! And not only was I terrified, I was pissed off. Okay. I'm surprised nobody thought to ask why are there bars in a preschool barring the windows? I could take that. This is this is Southern Arizona. I was born in Tucson. Okay. Very common. Okay. Really? Very common. My parents' house had bars and they were in an upscale neighborhood. They had bars in all of their windows. And I would think just very, because very common. the town is so notorious and the area, I mean, is so notorious for like cartel activities, and disappearances, people, you know, kids. kids would definitely be a high profile target. Yeah. I didn't notice bars in any of the other buildings either. You know, I, I did notice. No, because that. like her dad, when he died, it showed the... What did we call them? Uh, Zeman. Show the Zeman outside of the window, grabbing him from inside. The, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like grabbing him around the neck and he had dropped the machete. So there's no bars on the church. Shot, yeah. Uh, there was no bars on the other house's windows because like in one of them, you could see the lady in the kitchen, like doing her dishes mm-hmm. while some dudes getting eaten right there on the ground. The, the, the cinematography, the background work in these pictures, it was just a masterpiece. It was. Yeah, it was. It absolutely was. I mean, talk about hell of a staging. Yeah. Yeah. I just asked because that was the only one where I actually saw bars on the windows. And I was like, that's what killed her. Yeah, it was. And it, not but, to say she would have survived with Salazar or her life would have been even any better. But but it's just it's such a bittersweet. I think it adds a dimension too. sorry. Look, I totally jumped all over you. Go ahead. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was just going to say, it just adds the photo 36, the last photo. It just adds a bittersweet climax. And it's just even the photographer expert that comes in mentions about, you know, he he chose to abandon what has kept him safe for this long, his anonymity and and him staying back and just being a historian and actually become an active, um, active participant by taking Grace's hand. Correct. Because you can see his left arm turning the flash on. And turned the flash on because he he said he did try and stop them. Right. He was trying to stun them. And it only worked just for the time that the flash came in. But the flash gave us another dimension of terrifying, you know, photography. But And clearer depicted faces. That, because before that, they were very out of focus. They were out of focus indeed. But this one, it doesn't get much more in focus as far as grace. And no. it's obvious this girl is in agony and terrified. Yeah. 
as she's getting torn apart, you see Salazar's hand holding her hand through the bars, knowing he can't do anything. And he admits later in the deposition or in the, in the interview that he was, that he was singing a a song to her while this was happening to her. And it gives me, it gives me chicken skin when I, when I think about it. Yeah. Just that touch is so good. There's nothing he could do. And I think that that's the bars were, you know, geographically not uncommon. Right. But for that particular piece, it was just that much more of a hell to get through to try and literally save grace. And on another note, it's really the only time you get a good, like a decent look at whatever this is. I mean, other times could be argued, you know, okay, I could tell what that is. That is that is some are blurry as shit, but this is the first time you see it actual, like super close up, regardless of it's still kind of sketchy, but you mm-hmm. see a close up of two figures, like an actual still, an actual still. And right. it's obvious that, she is going through hell. Yes. Sorry. I'm trying to recover from that. It's um, okay. So I do have a fun fact. All right. So I don't know if you noticed, but a couple of times during the movie, they showed like a restaurant front and it said, say Seabon. Okay. It was like C apostrophe E S T S I B O N. Okay. And it came up several times during the movie. Hmm. It's French for it's so good. Why would they have that there? Isn't that like chilling? Yeah. I feel like that's chilling. Because it wasn't a mistake. Odd. That is odd. Right? And there's a lot of bakeries. So when I looked it up, there's a lot of bakeries that are called Ceci Bon. But the, the choice to put in that small not town, just Southern once. Arizona. Well, I believe this was in the neighboring town, Templeton Oh, town. the Heinsberg. But, but they I made a Heinz, they, Heinzman. At Heinzman. least twice. I think even three times Heinzman. I saw it show up during the movie. Your problem. <laughs> um, at least three times. And that wasn't a mistake. It couldn't have been. It couldn't have been. So just a little food for thought. I think on, everything uh, in the movie was intentional. It so was. I agree. It I don't, I don't think anything, anything was left to, left to chance when it comes to the now, staging. Do, do you think that It's So Good was make sure that we enjoyed it. It was like a little bit of inception. I think it's to- totally open to interpretation. I think it would have, if it's said, it's so good, but most of us um, don't speak French. Correct. In the U.S. here. Some people do. I recognize it because I've been to Paris and it made me think that's probably what it meant and I double checked it. Hmm. That is a fun fact though. But I thought that was, I thought that was very creepy. It is. No, it's, it's like out of place creepy. Yes. Yeah. I, I would have to agree. So we've talked a bit about the symbolism of grace, right? Mm. Saving grace, innocence, sacrificial lamb, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. What is the purpose of Salazar? Other than the obvious of documenting it. But oh. I mean, he, why is he the lone survivor? Why wasn't he taken out? There's, there's got to be some deeper meaning as to why he was the survivor. It's, it can't just be that he's a scapegoat. This is something I've given a lot of thought to. Oh, good. I'm glad it didn't just bother me. No, I've given a lot of thought to this. And this is probably the one thing about this movie that that gives me the most trouble is that is there's never really a good reason why he is not ever shown being attacked. And yeah, because he has no defense mechanism. He has no defense. He's, he's out in the open. And in some cases, he's like, Right up right, in it. Right up in it. Yeah. Especially with Templeton. Yeah. And so I don't. Well, and with Montez. Exactly. Yeah. He, well, he was blatantly attacked there, but, yeah. but I don't have an answer for you, but I do concur with you that it is troubling 
And there must be a different meaning to it. There must be a deeper meaning. Do you have a stab at this, Justin? No, the only thing I could think is, like I kind of hinted at potentially being the case before, is they weren't there by happenstance. They were there for a reason. They were called there, potentially. Hmm. And so maybe Putnam wasn't the good guy he was supposed to be. And the members of the the church, the congregation, everything, they were the ones to be sacrificed. And hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's I don't, troubling. I don't have an answer for it. So Other I- than... Somebody needs to be at blame. But so, if we're talking about animalistic primal creatures, they're not going to think on that somebody level. Somebody needs to be, needs to bear witness. Yeah. And that's why I think we're back to the, 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 what, Zemans? Zemans. Right. Cause it's more than just animalistic, like must There's eat, some thought. must eat brain. There's strategy. Right? But it's very zombie ish. Could it be argued that he represents the inability of the Mexicans in their people to save grace hmm. as a, as a further extension of the fear of the foreigner. I just became team Kristen for life. Heart. <sighs> Someday I'll have somebody on my team. <laughs> you come up with something like that and I'll, I'm on your team because he's arguing the whole time that he's at the church, that he's clean. He's clean. Mm-hmm. He's not a problem. He's clean, but he ends up, Either zombie, demon, demon, whatever. Or was he resurrected? No, because we saw him about to commit murder at the end. Salazar? I thought we were talking about Putnam. Salazar. I was talking about Salazar. Uh, I thought we were talking about Putnam. Weren't we talking about Putnam? No, I think she she was talking about Salazar. I was talking about Salazar. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah, at the end when there was like the campers... Yeah, the the very very end with the there was covered like footage. ravenous behavior going on in some kind of animal that was dead, and then a person. Then it was going on in the tent, and then it was right in front of him. It was Salazar with blood like coming from his mouth. See, I missed that. Okay, that's yeah. good. You did? Oh, I saw a blur of things. I couldn't fast. really figure out what it was. It was very fast. It was very glitchy. Yeah, but intentionally. Yeah, yeah. intentionally because it was damaged footage. But yeah, he does because it wasn't resurrect. Salazar taking the photos. It yeah, exactly. But yeah, he represents the uh, Justin. Yeah, keep yawning. <laughs> God. You want me to yawn again? No, it's okay. like it's contagious and I need <sighs> you to stop. Okay. So, Luke, you had made a comment when we were watching it that you really liked that last scene. I didn't really understand. I, it was so fast and I didn't really get that scene with the tattooed folks that... Oh yeah. And you said you really love the scene. Could you tell us more about it? Sure. Um, it's the, it's during the credit crawl. Um, and it's a scene of seemingly, uh, his Hispanic, uh, either friends, family, Sureños. sure. Um, and they are in front of a wall and they are just in angry memorial to Salazar. The wall behind them has Salazar on a cross with zombies I mean, this is all animation. Like, this is all somebody did this with paint. Um, it has Salazar on a cross and uh, obvious Zemans um, all along the bottom of them. And I'm assuming it's a memorial to Salazar and a monument to the truth. Um, and they all have their Salazar tattoos. And it all it's all interspliced with the credits and with the cast and everything. 
Um, but I thought it was a beautiful touch for something that is fake, for something that is fictitious, for them to go that far when probably most people aren't even watching anymore. Yeah, like it spread to the cholo culture as a whole. Yeah, it it really does. It really does seem like they, I don't know, they they just they thought of all avenues in this movie to convince you that it was real. Mm -hmm. And this is what an actual documentary would show that, hey, these are real people that really still support this person long after he's dead. And really still are seeking the truth for something that is fictitious. Beautiful touch. Beautiful. Did you know that that painting and mural is still present? No shit. It's a real painting. Oh, that, that makes me happy for some reason. I have it in my notes. I just can't find it. Just the fact that it exists. It is is a real painting and it is in Southern California. I was going to say it's got to be in LA where all the legal walls are. No shit, dude. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a, a fascinating touch there. Um, I won't, I, mm, I won't, I won't well, there's pro- plenty of crackheads lurking around there that look like zombies. So it is kind of fitting. It's true. But that not that notwithstanding, I want to see it. I want to go. Right? I want to get pictures in front of it. So, OK, let's take it back a minute. Um, I, we talked about a lot of kind of religious themes. I think one of the other big themes that we didn't really touch on is that the sheriff is kind of the the wolf or the bitch in sheep's clothing. He is the bitch. I like that. Yeah, me too. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's, uh, it's the idea that they're supposed to be trusted and supposed to be protecting. And actually Impartial they are the and, problem. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And they even reference that in the line that yeah. to the, to the citizens of the town, that the police are just another element, another criminal element. Mm-hmm. Correct. I think it said, yeah, he puts the dirt and dirty. <laughs> what a, what a, what oh a drop there. Thank you. Oh He's goodness. straight up dead. Like he was just a crooked politician. He, he that, seemed like he at was At the just, end of the day, sheriffs really have to be half politician. Well, it, because they have to run for election. It was right? mentioned several times. He, that towards the end that he got another, he got elected again. Like immediately. Yeah. So it was. By a landslide. Yeah. It was all politically motivated. The conviction. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a distraction. Just look sure. over here while I campaign and right. look what I fix and look what I handle. Right. Oh, is, is that kind of like what's I mean, happening in the world right now? <laughs> no. Not, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. So some kind of Budweiser virus or something. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so, Luke. Yeah. Uh, did you have you ever seen Paradise Lost no, documentary? I've heard of it. Okay, so the directors, actually the three folks that wrote and directed this. I did find it interesting that it was like a co-direction. It's kind of cool. Yeah, they were all students of UCLA, and they were all inspired by Paradise Lost. Really? Okay. And so now I'm kind of curious about Paradise I'm Lost. I'm super curious. Justin, you know, you know nothing about it? No, nothing. They were inspired by Paradise Lost. And it's a documentary. It's a do- It's an actual documentary. Yeah. Okay. Not so a I think we need to check it out. No, documentary. Okay, no, no. That's, yeah, that's going on my list. So one thing about this is there is no budget info. This was a very small, small production. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was so small. How small was How it? How small was it? Oh, there we go. Thank you. Um... <laughs> It was so small that they were limited to borrowed cameras. And on any given day, they didn't know what camera they were going to have to film the gentleman walking through the town. It was 107 degree temperature. They had no idea what level of equipment they were going to have because they were borrowing it. So what the reason they went the direction they went with the mockumentary via photograph was they were able to 
tell the story through photographs and not through video camera. That just that just get, makes me respect it even right? more. I was shocked. That is incredible I that they shocked. managed to produce this product with those limited resources. And they said wow. that they they chose this feel so that you know they weren't having to deal with the elements. They chose the documentary feel um, so that they were not weakened by their lack of financial aid. Brilliant. I absolutely absolutely brilliant it made me like it that much more yeah i like it so um uh is there anything else you gentlemen would like to bring up while i'm looking at my notes before we get to rage no more about this paradise lost are you looking at you looking at it right now there are child murders at the robin hood hills that is true
murder case, anything like this, <laughs> there's going to be an independent reporter and there's going to be somebody trying to get their book deal and make money and be the first to write, the first to write the truth. What's true? What's fake? All that good stuff. Well, and that's what I was trying to understand is his book, Paint It Black, had nothing to do with this, correct? Um, I don't remember what the subtitle of Paint It Black was. I thought it did. I thought both of his books did. Okay. Yeah, I thought I thought it did. Okay. I just, uh, could be wrong, interesting. but I want to say both book covers they showed had something to do with this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Clean that up for me. You're welcome. So if there's nothing else, do we want to get to our rating scales? Sure. I think, sure. I think I'm good. Actually, I lied. Ah, now that you're all good. So there all was bad. no budget information. Um, and I believe, Luke, this never hit theaters, correct? It was just streaming? I don't believe so. I want to say this. If, if at best, this was a festival. Okay. Release. Yeah, because I didn't find well, anything. it's made by a college students then. yeah so it did bring in six million dollars in revenue though wow and that's guaranteed they made a return based yeah. on what i heard about the production correct costs. yeah that's money so, to fund another one very so, nice hey yeah hey, uh, yeah definitely right. buy their own camera yeah right <laughs> several all right who's going first luke i'll go first it was your pick you go first all right a plus i love this fucking movie I love this movie. It is a masterpiece. I'm suck. I'm an absolute sucker for this genre. And A plus is the highest grade I've ever given on, the, on this show. But this movie well, sticks. You really with me. can't give a higher grade, Justin. <laughs> for fuck's sake. Okay. All right. Let's go Such two minutes problem. without. <laughs> so my point is, Justin, is that okay? This is the best grade I've given, and I know you can't go higher. But this movie sticks with me in a way that no other movie ever has, and. I'm just, I'm thankful that I woke up to it. I'm thankful that I heard about it and that I, and that I watched it again. And I watched it again a few hours later. And I, for, from what I hear, heard about the production, taking that into account, that is why my grade is so high that they did what they could with what they had. Yeah. And they managed to churn out something that was visually stunning and emotionally beautiful i mean if that makes any sense at all it, it i felt it conjured up emotions oh it did and there is a lot to be said about a movie that can do that that is a fictional documentary yeah so a plus for me uh, brilliant okay justin i had to go with a d minus what <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> he's been trying to get me back since why him god all right come on. i mean i think it Really, I've really been struggling with this because, you know, give me a nightmare. Then we got a problem. But I think I have to give an F, but also an A because it was fucking amazing. So oh I think God. I think I'll stick with an A. OK, so all right, an so, A is my grade. Right. Not a plus, but, Not an a plus a. but an A. No, I'll take that. I got to give it an A. I'll take that. I'm, I'm happy to hear it. I'm and really mainly impressed. what do you base it on? Mainly for the fact that. If you didn't know this never happened, you would have no clue. Right. You'd be Everything on was done up for sure. so right. well, not just the acting, some like some like sheriff. It was a little obvious, you know what I mean? The, the actor that played him, but it was believable. Yeah. But just the having the author, having the different timelines of investigative reporting and court reporting and the little excerpts from the judge and having like, they really thought of every little thing from like a crime drama or a documentary that would be on TV and didn't really miss a step. I think so too. Right on. Excellent. So uh, I'm the negative Nancy today. Mm. So I get a B plus. That is far um, from negative. <laughs> it, 
I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was well done. Um, I think that as we all touched on before, it was so believably portrayed. I love the way that the subplots and the storylines and the themes kind of interweave in between each other throughout the whole thing it was well done. Thought the acting was great. Um, I liked the way they unfolded the story, right? Yeah. Of walking through the town. I actually thought that, I love that yeah. the way it was uh, portrayed was really interesting. Um, but my biggest problem, I think, is just how horrified that last three photos of Grace were. It bothers me. Um, and I think that's the only thing that really brings it down from an A because it was exceptional. And it's not a it's not a critique. Mm-hmm. It was done that well. Yeah. But I have I personal have, preference. It's personal preference. And it's I have an issue. I mean, you heard a dog in a movie and I'm cutting the movie. I'm I, no, I, I agree um, with that. Uh, you heard a little girl. It's. It's a hard one for me to swallow. I understand. So because they didn't try and do like a reenactment. Though. And I'm glad they didn't. I'm yeah. glad they didn't do anything. That was haunting enough. Yeah. And just the idea in my head about what went through this little girl's head to get that photo. Yeah. Um, it, it hurts my heart a little bit. It so, could have just been a My Little Pony in the garbage disposal. <laughs> I want to say they completely reenacted it and told her nothing about what was going to happen. Well, and what, Ugh, but still, I mean, how do they how do they get this little girl so scared and and why? Yeah. I, I understand the agenda it pushed, and I understand the effect it had because it certainly did. Um. But it is, it is, it's hard I know, for me. I know. And we, so, she might just be a fantastic actress. She might just have been primed up for this prodigy. You never I am know. I'm hoping so. Yeah, you never the next know. Olsen twin. Right? You never know. Next Olsen. Okay. Um, so, so I give it a B plus. A. So if it's an A plus, an A, and a B plus, I think that's a pretty solid A. That's an A. I'd say that's an A. Yeah. yeah. I'll solid take it. A. So okay. I, I thought it was excellent. And if you're not freaked out by disturbing images... I absolutely recommend it. Yeah. Don't know what a mockumentary is and want to jump in. It was. Yeah. Savage. Check out Savage Land. You won't won't be sorry. um, I want to just point out the other reviews really quickly and then we can sign off. Okay. So IMDB gave it a six out of 10. Okay. Dicks. Yeah. Dicks. Hex. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 57. Wow. But Google uh, viewers gave it an 88%. I'm not surprised. So they're more along the lines of where I'm at with it. Yeah. I got you. Anyway, A rating Savage Land. Thanks for joining us. Uh, See you next time, everybody. Give us a listen. Bye.